Good morning. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 10 o'clock class. And uh, we want to jump right in because we've been stringing this along for long enough, I think. And uh, we just praise God for you. Thank you for being with us. And thank you guys for being here. We are talking this morning, continuing to talk about the fruit of salvation. This is the fruit of salvation, part one. Part two will be next week. But this is part one, like D because this is the fourth part one and um, so not to be uh, confused with part four because that would be totally different and about 16 weeks later so it, we're good but um, anyway <laughs> there's uh, we've been have you gotten something out of this have you been learning about the fruit of salvation in other words if you you know faith without works is dead in other words if you truly are born again if you truly are saved there is going to be some accompanying fruit. Did I say accompanying right? Mm -hmm. All right. There's going to be some fruit that goes along with it. That's how I say it. So, <laughs> But uh, you're going to see that there is fruit that uh, goes along with your life, with that salvation, and we need to expect that. And one of the things that we talked about last week, I, have, I want to correct something I said. Last week's was really, really powerful. At the end, Barrett asked me a question, and by the Holy Spirit, I gave her an answer, but I said one thing wrong. I knew what I was trying to say, but I said it wrong. And so I want to, I want to correct that, but I also want to clarify that. But in order to answer that question, let me just show you uh, something real quick. Chris, will you come here? So what we did was we were talking about how if God the Father is up here, yep, face that way. If God the Father is up there and Chris is playing the role of Jesus in between us and God the Father, when we are born again, we come under the covering of Christ. Now, when we're not born again, then our sins are evident to the Father. But when we're born again, our sins are completely wiped away, forward, you know, past, present, and future, they're wiped out. And this is something that we will talk about some next week is that the person that's born again cannot sin, is what it says. The word says it cannot sin, which goes along with something uh, Deb asked a question this morning. That person cannot sin. And the, what it's saying is that here, here's, here's another way to say that. Jesus cannot sin, and I'm in him. And so when I chose him, he covered me. Now, I, I say this again. Religious people get really uh, concerned when you make statements like that because they think that you're giving people a license to sin. But you have to understand that there's a whole bunch of people that are in Christ, that are sinning just fine without having a license in their hand. And uh, you, what you end up doing is you end up finding out that, oh my goodness, his grace was covering me the whole time. And what that leads us to, his, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It leads us to a point where we see his love, we understand his love, and we have a revelation of his love. And all of a sudden, here we are, and we're going, man, I don't want to sin anymore. 
I don't want to walk in that. And that grace, that love of God, the goodness of God, causes us to change and turn. And all of a sudden, even though we were in Christ the whole time, now we start operating differently. We start being motivated by his love. His love is the motivation. His love is the why in our lives. And then all of a sudden, we start playing this back and forth game. So I can be in Christ and still be going back and forth uh, with the world. And here's how the Lord sees it. They don't sin. They're covered. But if you keep playing that back and forth game, you're, in, you're putting yourself in a bad position. So it's not something to play around with. And that was where we were talking about, you know, can you lose your salvation? Well, the word's pretty clear on that. Um, you know, there's several things we could talk about. Uh, yesterday we were talking about the seal of the Holy Spirit. And some people think that, you know, that the Holy Spirit puts his seal on you and you can't, you can't, no, not even you can break out of his seal. But that's not really what it's talking about. It's, if you even look at that word, it's talking about he puts his stamp of approval on you and the Holy Spirit is proof of God's stamp on you. That's what it's talking about. So you can look at it two different ways. In other words, he's not going to let you go sin, which he's not going to let you go do it easily. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit helps do. But really what you're looking at is that God said, yep, he's mine. You see, he stamps us. And so when we see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that's, that's the Lord saying, that's the child of mine. That's what that seal is. That's what that stamp is. If you can imagine, not like a uh, uh, not like a plastic wrap seal that keeps all the stuff bad stuff out necessarily, but imagine like a wax seal on an old timey envelope that has the impression of the king on it. That kind of seal. Hey, I, I'm I have put my seal on him, and the Holy Spirit is proof of that stamp that I approve of them, that I have sealed them, you see. But in that, in the Holy Spirit, he does help us too. He helps our flesh so that we don't do it. But then you have scriptures that say, hey, look, those they will fall away from the truth. They will fall away from the truth. And in um, Hebrews um, that you brought up this morning, t uh, 10... 26, I believe it is. Okay, thank you, sir. So uh, in Hebrews 10, 26, it talks about some more stuff. Uh, just you can fall away, but a lot of people, they think that, you know, once you're born again, you're always born again. But there's just too much word in there that says contrary, that says otherwise. And so you have to take that into effect, in, into account. You've got to take the full account, the full counsel of the word, not just the ones that we like. And we have to, but if you go into it with an unbiased heart, you start to see how things work out. For example, let me show you something. So last week at the very end, uh, Barrett and uh, they're they're traveling today. So hey, Barrett and George, we love you. And um, they. Uh, she asked me a question about, because what I showed was I showed somebody who is lukewarm in Christ and they're still born again, but they never have the fruit. And she brought up the scripture in Revelation, which was a very good question. She said, well, what about in Revelation where it says, if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, my, I, what I said at that moment, I had the Holy Spirit directing me and he was showing me something. And I said, I believe that what he's talking about there is people that aren't born again in the first place, that they're lukewarm outside of Christ. 
and that was a wrong statement. No, 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 no. He was talking about uh, people that were in Christ. And it does say in the King James, I will spew you out of my mouth. And it says that in several translations. But I know that that's not the heart of God in one sense. And I'll show you why in a second. Although we've been taught that way the whole time. But I knew what the Holy Spirit was showing me is the majority of people. He was, he was having me minister to the majority of people. And the majority of people are not in Christ. The majority of people are outside of Christ and they try to do good and then they do bad. And they try to do good and then they do bad. And they're lukewarm and they're back and forth and they're back and forth. And they don't even know Christ in the first place. And those people are going to be spewed out because they think they're born again, but they never believed by faith in Christ. And And it's a bad position too. But Let's go to Revelation uh, chapter 3 and verse 16 and see these are the letters to the churches. John had a revelation of Jesus Christ to the churches. And in verse, uh, you can even see, we'll go to verse 14, Revelation 3, 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, so to the church basically, he's, he's saying to this angel, You are the messenger to this body of Christ, and I want you to give this message, okay? And he says, here's the message to the church through that angel. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. All right, now, that doesn't look good, does it, <laughs> for people that are lukewarm and that are, that are hot and cold, you know, or that are going back and forth. That doesn't look good. And so when she asked me that question, what the Holy Spirit was ministering to me is that most people that consider themselves lukewarm, they're not born again in the first place. And that's what he wanted to convey. But as we finished up and I wrapped up, the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, you, you said that you believe most of those people aren't, which is kind of true. Most people that think they're a part of the church are actually not even part of church. They're not born again yet. That's why part of the reason why they're lukewarm. And they will be spewed out of his mouth because they were never a part in the first place. He said, but he corrected me and he said, but I was talking to my church. I was talking to believers that were in Christ. And what does it say right there? If you're lukewarm, what will he do? Now, how does that feel in your spirit? Well, I know you don't want to hear it, but it doesn't. How does it? Let me ask you this defining question. You see a person that's struggling with sin. How does that? go along with the nature and character of a loving God. Does that seem right? It doesn't, does it? It's not the heart of God. See, now how do you know that? Because the full counts of the word teaches us. There's a translation error here. See, and this is what within a few minutes Holy Spirit led me directly to. If you go in... Do we, I don't know that we have it in there. Do we have Young's literal translation or the literal translation? Put up, put up Young's. So then, 
Because thou art, verse 16, so because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to vomit thee out of my mouth. See, he didn't say, I will. He says, I'm about to. This is a warning. In other words, what he's saying is, if you're in Christ and you keep being lukewarm, it's going to come to the place where you reject Christ and I will have to vomit you out of the family. And it's your doing. See, him saying, and see, this is where the heart of the person translating this into English in the beginning didn't know the heart of God fully. And they didn't know the character. But see, the Holy Spirit will lead you where these points are at. And he'll show you where that character is. This is, an, this is a literal translation of each word. And it doesn't say, I will do it. It says, it's a warning, I'm about to. He's saying, if you don't change, this is what's going to happen. Well, that's a totally different statement, isn't it? You see? And... And the Holy Spirit will, now how long has I will vomit you out of my mouth, how long has that been preached? 400 years. Yeah, 400 years in English at least, you see. And it all comes from not knowing the heart of God. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit and then you take the full counsel of the word, you can find some of these things that are in there. All that took was, I, I said, that's not the heart of God. I know it's not. And I went and, and the I said, Holy Spirit, help me see this. And within uh, five minutes of me leaving the class last week, the Holy Spirit took me right to that. And, and it was both the same in the Young's literal and the literal translation of the Bible. That's two different translations that take the literal words and translate them. And that's what you see. So uh, that's a huge point, isn't it? And now you can see where it looks like there's a contradiction in the word, but in the original language, there's not a contradiction at all. It actually matches up and works together with the heart of God. It's powerful. So the result, though, is the same to both the person who is not in Christ and is lukewarm and the person who is in Christ and is lukewarm. If you don't change your lukewarmness, you're about to miss it, and what it's saying is, knowing, taking the full counsel of the word that we've already talked about in past lessons, knowing that we can deny and renounce and reject what Christ did in our lives, what's happening is that lukewarmness can take you to a place where you get to that place and do exactly that, reject, renounce, deny what Christ did. And at that point, there's no more sacrifice for your sins. And it even says, uh, tells us in the word that somebody, we see somebody hit that point where they denied and they renounce. You shouldn't even pray for them anymore. Don't, don't pray for them. Um, and that's what it said, because there's no sacrifice. You're, you're asking something that can't be done by their own doing. And so what he's saying is, when he says, I'm about to spew you out of, out of my mouth, he says, what he's saying is, you're about to give me no choice because your lukewarmness is going to take you to the place where you are so deceived that you willingly reject and renounce, and I'll have no choice but to say, depart. That's a horrible, I, I don't even, I shudder thinking about that with anybody. But here's the thing, what's the symptom that you're about to? lukewarm 
So can a Christian continue to walk in lukewarm or should they be about correcting that? Man, and what, what does that take? A lot of times what that really takes is the hunger of God is going after the things of the Lord and saying, Lord, let me be hungry. You know, I, I will choose hunger and thirst and I will be filled. You know, those blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. But see, we've got to make sure that we're not filling ourselves with the world because the world uh, chokes up those, chokes those things in our life. It chokes the fruit of God. And all of a sudden we find this place where we're, you know, one foot in the world, one foot in God, one foot in the world, one foot in God, and we're lukewarm. See, this is not a place to play. All right. So let's move on into the questions. It says this, and if you remember in our first lesson, it shows that faith in God is not just a one-time. Faith in God as your a Savior and in salvation is not just a one-time belief. The uh, tense of the word is the present tense. Which says, it's just like when we talk about being filled with the Spirit is not to be filled one time, but to be being filled, right? It shows salvation is not just a one-time belief in Jesus as your Savior, but it is a continuous, always present belief in Christ as your Savior and a belief that God has saved you and I receive that salvation. It's a continuing. So, Commands that are given in a present tense are expected to have what? A continuous or repeated application. So a lot of the verses that we went through was to believe in Christ, a continuous belief in Christ, a continuous reception of him as my uh, everyday mercy, as my daily bread, as my Savior in all things. Excuse me. As my Savior. A continuous belief in him. So he also talked about a lot of verses that said it's a continuous uh, repentance so that once we're in him, we're constantly moving to the place where uh, we repent for the things where we've been lukewarm. In other words, it's not just a one-time, oh, yeah, I'm sorry for doing that, Lord, and I'm turning around. No, we're constantly turning from lukewarmness back to the hot of God, okay? So it's a continuous or repeated action. Uh, let's read John 3.16. Well. thought I was in John. I was not even looking at it. I was in Luke. All right. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. According to the present tense in the Greek, what is John 3.16 saying? Because believe is the present tense. Whoever believes in him in the present tense, in that person should not perish but have eternal life. So what he's saying is, what's our belief supposed to do? Have a one-time moment? We're believing in him as our Savior constantly. Constantly. That's right. 
Uh, read 1 John 3, 9. Okay, it says, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. This is a verse we were talking about earlier. But this word here, uh, practices sin, doth not. This is present tense. So in other words, how do we need to act with sin in our life? We need to constantly be putting that down. It's a continuation. It's constantly. Uh, let's go to Luke fifteen seven. So it says, I tell you the truth, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So look at here, the one sinner who, what, repents. Now this is talking about changing the pathway that they're on. The one person who continues to choose the path of Christ, this present tense. And it shows that our belief in Christ is a continuous action. It's not just a one-time-at-the-altar thing. It's a continuous action. Let's go to Acts 17.30. Do you see, I think the thing that's so important to see is that this continuous action piece carries on in our whole Christian life. In every instance where God is talking about coming to saving knowledge of God and leaving a repented life, it's constantly talking about continuing action, a present tense. And so for us to say that, yeah, I did that one time, and then to not continue in it shows that we might not have actually done believed the first time. But if we continue in it and we have a fruit that we are uh, empowered uh, empowerment of God to live godly, that's the fruit. If we have a continued fruit in our lives, it shows that that action was true. And if you are here, here's the thing, if you're constantly in this lukewarm state, then the thing that you're going back and forth and back and forth, then what it shows more than anything is you need to check your fruit because you need to check to see if you actually believed in the first place. Because if you're constantly going in this lukewarm state back and forth, you might not have. And so it's a good symptom to tell you something's wrong. Something's wrong. And it could just be your hunger for God. But either way, you want to come out of that and go towards God. Acts 17.30 says this. God is declaring now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. And that's a present tense. Continue changing. Continue choosing God. Acts 26.20. So can you see that this is not just a one-time thing or just one verse? This is many verses, right? 
saying the same thing. So now you have, you're getting the full counsel of the word here, 2620. It says, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Okay, both of these present tense, repent and deeds appropriate to repentance, a continuing action. All right, 1 John 2, 3. So it says this, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments what is the outcome of having a personal relationship with God that is knowing him what's the outcome that we do what he says that we keep his commandments in other words if we're not doing his commandments it shows that we might not know him in the first place I'm not talking about and and this is where people get it messed up well I do good there's a bunch of sinners that do good that's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living for Jesus, living for Christ. Do I, do I have a drive in me that doesn't just say, do good things for good things sake? Do I have a drive in me that says, be the ambassador God's called me to be? Live in that constant state of repentance where I'm constantly putting the flesh down and lifting Christ up in my life. You know, not just doing good things. There's people that aren't born again at all that go out and try to do good things because it makes them feel better about themselves. They feel better, but they're not born again. So just doing a good thing is not it. Are we keeping his commandments? Are we following? Are we, let, let me put it this way, are we discipling ourselves? Are we disciplining ourselves after the ways of Christ? Are we truly doing that? James 2.18. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. <clears throat> show me your faith without your works, which is impossible to do, and I will show you my faith by works, or by what? By what I do. In other words, what I do will prove what I believe. What I do will prove what I believe. You you remember a few weeks ago when I was when I was upset just about what we were seeing and everything? Why why am I upset about that? It's not just I mean there was a personal aspect to it to me and and let me make it even stronger. There's a personal aspect to God of whether or not we keep His commandments like don't forsake. But here's here's the biggest thing. What are the works proving? When you don't honor God. 
to, to do his work and be about his business and be his ambassador. And you, you're not honoring God to be there. You're not honoring God to show up on time and, and help people and serve people. He says the greatest is a servant. If we're not doing that, what are the works saying about the people? See, what hurts my heart the most is, man, we're going to do what we believe. That means there's a big part of that we just haven't believed. And we've got to work on that. It, it really is true. And that's saying, hey, and I, man, I hated having to be the one to bring correction in that way. But it needed to happen because we, we had this going on in some areas of ministry where we're being lukewarm. Not just one person or, or another. As a body, we were being lukewarm. And we need to say, man, is that really what the fruit should be? Or, or if I truly believe that Christ is my king, am I going to follow his commandment to serve, honor, esteem, expect, get myself in hope, get myself in faith, help the people walking in, grow in the things of the Lord? Am I going to really honor that? Or am I just going to show up nonchalantly and be like, whatever, you know, you're here for me. I'll come when I want to. See, that's... That, what is that showing that we believe? That's what was hurting me. Because I want more for you and me. I, want, I believe in you. I believe in you to be able to walk out these things of God. But that means we've got to make some decisions and we've got to take some honest looks at ourselves. And that day was a day for us to look honestly and, and for me to kind of be the alarm clock. We were slumbering on God and we're hitting the snooze button. And at some point we've got to wake up and say, I can't do that anymore because I do this for too long and all of a sudden we get to the place where God says, hey, I can't use you. I don't want to be the person that God can't use. I don't want us to be that, that, that people. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. It says, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our, of God, of our God and Father. It says, works or actions that proceed from faith are referred to as works of faith. In other words, it's faith. But your deeds are the works of that faith. Galatians 2.16. Anybody finding your uh, Bible books this morning? Galatians 2.16 and 21. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Then verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died 
needlessly. So works of the law are works that people do in order to try and obtain salvation or what? In verse 21, righteousness comes through the law. Or they try to obtain salvation or righteousness. They cannot save and they have no saving power. So works done to try and gain that is works that have no power. But works done because he's made me righteous and because he saved me are works of faith. You see that? So what a lot of times, and let me, let me put it this way too, because this really equates into uh, salvation manifesting itself in our lives and in our family. Let's just take healing or, or finances, uh, for example. So a lot of times what we do is, how many times have we heard somebody pray, Lord, why has this sickness come upon me? Why is, Lord, I'm a good person. I, I go to church. Why are, you, why are you letting this sickness come upon me? What's the, what is their argument against the sickness? Their own goodness, their own righteousness. Is that going to work? It's not. And so then, or the other side of that is, they're sitting there and they're trying to believe God for healing. They're trying to believe God for healing and the devil's going, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and speaking to them. And, and, and they're sitting there trying to have uh, faith for healing, but the condemnation, they're accepting, yeah, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. And now they can't produce faith. And the reason is because the same reason before when somebody was trying to work for it, they think that their works is what's going to stop them from the love of God. Their works, their bad works is what's going to stop them. Neither one of those things is going to stop them from the love of God. It's faith saying it in this person up here, it, it's going, all right, Lord, I, I'm, I may have this sickness that's been going on right now, but... You love me, and I don't believe in my works. I believe in your faith. I believe in your faithfulness. I believe in your righteousness. I believe in your character as a Savior, and in this uh, circumstance where I need healing, you are my Savior. You, Lord, are saving me. And by faith, I receive that, and then I'm going to do things uh, like to that faith, or I'll do works now based on that. That faith. Like if I'm in the bed, I'm feeling horrible, I might say, I'm getting up out of this bed because I believe by faith, you know, and you'll go do some. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in here not feeling like preaching, but then I get up here and, and the Lord meets that faith, that action, and I don't feel a thing. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And, and what's the difference? Because I'm the pastor and, you know, I'm, I'm more holy. No, no, no. I'm just applying the word the same way that you do. Back here, when that person is trying to believe God for healing, for faith, and the devil's saying, well, you did this and you did this, they've, they've got to understand that it's not what they did that gives them the healing, that brings salvation to that circumstance. What brings the salvation is the love of God. That's the love of God. And so they need to stop having faith on the problems and have faith on the love of God, how much he loves them, and the righteousness of Christ. And then they say, that doesn't matter, devil. 
I've repented that. I've confessed my sins on that. That doesn't matter anymore. Matter of fact, right now, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus, he's my advocate at the Father's ear talking about how good I am. And then you receive that. Last one, excuse me, Romans 2, 7 through 10. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those, it's talking about what God will render according to each person. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation will follow. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what is he talking about here? Is he talking about just doing good deeds or is he talking about doing the good of Christ, following his lead? That's what he's talking about. Those verses were describing the fruit of what two groups of people, believers and non-believers, Believers and non-believers. So we'll go back to this question as we wrap up again. Are you a believer? Are you a non-believer? Because if you're a believer, then you're going to have fruit. And that fruit, fruit is going to be following the will of Christ. That fruit is going to be doing the things that he commanded. If we love him, we're going to do the things he commanded. We're going to be operating in love. We're going to be loving on people. We're going to be helping them. You know, we're going to be performing and producing that fruit in our lives. And it's not fruit uh, that's just, well, I want to feel better about myself. It's I'm doing this because I love you, Lord, because I'm in relationship with you. This is who you are. Let me manifest some of you in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, let me, does anybody have a question that's just pressing and they think it's very important to this whole conversation? Okay, he said, uh, can I explain the two types of repentance? So you have what I was saying in the two types of repentance. I think that was last week. So you can go and see the full version on that. And um, that would be um, the fruit of salvation part 1C, I think it is. But it may we might have to change those titles. Um, anyway, most people in the church think that a person that's not born again needs to repent and they think that the repentance that they need is the brokenness that a Christian should walk in. So in other words, if they're not broken completely and and moving in a oh woe is me type repentance, then they might not have even gotten born again. But they have tried to apply that. And they you got to think, if that believer, it says, those that do not love do not, do not know God. This is 1 John 4, 8. So an unbeliever, do they have love in the first place? 
It says we love because he first loved us. They don't even have love that will push them to that repentance yet. You see, they don't have the fruit of Christ inside them that will say, I need to do good stuff. I need to follow his commandments. But what they do is they try to tell them, get to the point in your head and in your mind where you're at that place. But they don't even have Christ yet. And so what you have is basically two types of repentance. I will say the repentance before they know Christ and the repentance after they know Christ. The repentance after they know Christ is the, the works that says, man, I've got some good things and some bad things in my life. I'm going back and forth. And, and I need to come to the place of humility. Not uh, A broken and contrite heart is very good, but I think we use that in terms of a fear and, and actually terms of condemnation. A lot of times where we're condemning people if they don't have a broken and contrite heart. That's not the way to go about it. You want humility to rise up in Christ so that it takes them to the place where they say, I can't do this without you. Without you, Lord, I am broken. Without you, Lord, I have no way of moving past this. Let me draw on your strength and your power and let me come to the end of my flesh, come to the end of my worldly self. I break that man. We, we bury that man you know, in Christ so that we can be the person he's called us to be. Now, this is motivated by love in a Christian. But the other repentance that's needed for somebody to come to Christ is simply saying, my way is not working. I'm on the wrong path. I need to choose another path. And the repentance is not, repentance a lot of times is looked at, and when we talk about it, it's looked at as, oh, woe is me. I'm horrible, right? That's what we think repentance has to be a lot of times in the church. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance is simply changing. It's simply turning and changing. And so John the Baptist and Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The whole society was thinking along the lines of God was going to march in with a scepter in his hand and take back the world and rule over all the physical world. And, And Jesus and John both were saying, the kingdom's already here. Change your way of thinking. Get on the right path. Choose Christ now. So what we see that now in New Testament times is this. We have a believer who's been living in the world and by the world. And the repentance is, is it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. God's not uh, 2 Corinthians 5 at the end of the chapter, uh, verses like 17 through 21. God's not holding your trespasses against you. He's given me the ministry that you have been made right with God, the ministry of reconciliation. And that sinner says, you mean God's not holding that against me? And then you say, nah. Matter of fact, there's an even better way to live this life and have everything that you think you need and more beyond even what you can ask or think. What? Yeah, all you have to do is change your way of living and trust Jesus. And that's the repentance before salvation. And when they do that, now the love of God floods them. The Holy Spirit puts his stamp upon them. And inside, the Holy Spirit's leading them to the commands of Christ, the love of God, the fruit of salvation, the works that follow faith. That's where that repentance is. Does that help? Good stuff. 
Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your love. Lord, what will we do without your love? Oh, we, we would be in a mess. We just praise you and we honor you. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in the pit of the worldliness, the pit of corruption, but you drew us out. And now we not only are out of the corruption, but we can walk in your holiness. We can walk in your righteousness. We can walk outside of that corruption. Lord, we thank you for that and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us and uh, have a great day.